Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. Good evening, good evening to the people of God. Uh, welcome again to the Word on Wednesday. Uh, I am Pastor Winfred Burns, and we have been having a time in the Word. We bless you tonight, all you who are joining us, and we want to make this just a wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship and study. Uh, tonight, uh, we will continue our journey through Second Samuel. Tonight, as a matter of fact, we're on chapter 12. We started this journey about a year ago, as a matter of fact, in in First Samuel, and we have journeyed through. We've taken a few breaks here and there, but we have been diligent to in our study of God's word because God has something to say to us. God wants to show us some things. Uh, I ask tonight that, and I'm going to make a real strong plea. Um, hey, Ivory, how you doing, man? Um, I'm making a real strong plea that you get your Bibles, that you get your Bibles. Now, every week I read from the Word of God, and I, I read it, uh, the passage that we're studying. But one of the things that I've learned in life is that if you really, really want to encounter the Word, you need to not just hear it, but you need to see it. It's, and it's like going to the store and, and, and buying a suit or buying a pair of shoes. Uh, you can look at it, and you can see it. But it's nothing like trying it on because then you get a chance to feel it. You get a chance to, to walk around in that pair of shoes and, and see how they'll interact with your body. And so it's so important that, you know, that you actually experience the word. And I've learned that if you read it for yourself, and especially if you read it and hear it simultaneously, it's something else. So I really ask that you get your Bibles. Um, let's have a word of prayer, then I want to uh, make an appeal real quick for those who are out there who perhaps uh, don't know God, and then we'll go right into the word. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come, and we come to thank you. We come to bless you. We come to give your name the praise. God, we thank you tonight for the medium of Facebook Live, as well as for Global Drive, um, that you allow us to communicate your word all over the land with your people and with those who are curious about you. Now, Father, we can tell them about your word, but by your spirit you can minister to them. So we appeal to you tonight to, to, for you to release your spirit in your word that the people of God, as well as those who are seeking you or are curious about you, can experience the power of your word. God, how we thank you and we praise you that we can appeal unto you. Now, Father, minister to our inner man that we can walk upright before you, that we can be pleasing in your sight, that we can give you glory and advance the kingdom of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me just say one more thing to you. If you've never heard this, perhaps you're hearing it for the first time, I want to share something with you. 
Ready? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. That's the message. That's the message of God. That's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel that we are announced to you today and announced to everybody is that Jesus Christ died for your sins and your sins have been forgiven. That God loved you so much that he allowed his son to die for you, to pay for your sins, that you might receive forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. And not only are they forgiven, but God wants to have a relationship with you. And the way you have a relationship with God, the way you claim the gift that God gives you through his son's death on the Calvary is by believing and acting in faith. So what do you have to do? You have to believe that Jesus is the son of God and God sent him to die for your sins. That's the first thing. The second thing you have to do, if you believe it, you have to confess it. You have to say it. You have to say to God, God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I believe that he died for my sins. And then finally, and I ask him to be my Savior. I ask him to come into my life. I ask him to come into my life to not only be my Savior, but to be my Lord. That's the essence of salvation. And when you say that out of your mouth, the Bible tells us if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I think the exact wording is, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that he has risen from the dead, you shall be saved. Yeah, that's it. He's the son of God. And if you pray that prayer tonight, if you just pray, God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and ask him to be my Savior, then you are saved. You're a member of the family of God. Now, if you pray that prayer, here's what I want, I want you to do. I want you to find a, another Christian, a church, a pastor, and you go up to him and you say, look, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I've asked him to be my Savior. Now, what do I do? And that Christian or that church will embrace you, and they will then teach you more perfectly the way of salvation. They'll spend some time with you in the Word of God, in the Bible, showing you the scriptures that support what you've done, and then, tell, and then talking to you about the next steps in your new life in Christ. Will you do that? Will you share that with somebody? Will you, will you, will you go do that now that, that you have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior? And then, oh, by the way, I need to say to you, welcome. You got a new brother. You got uh, I've got a new brother. I've got a new sister. And I'm happy about it. Amen. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining the family of God. Get ready for a great, great adventure in God as you walk with him. Okay, so let's let's get back. My ear all of a sudden started itching. I don't know what that's all about. I know what they say when your nose itch or sweat, you're supposed to be mean or something like that. But 
ear itching. I don't know what that is. Maybe it just means I need to wash my ears better or something. Who knows? Anyway, let's get into the Word of God. And what I want to do tonight is I want to, first of all, just, just go back just a little bit to catch, you know, so you can catch on real good as to what we're talking about, and then we'll start moving forward. Um, last week we talked about David and Bathsheba. We went through chapter 11, and we saw all that David did. And what we did was we showed the internal conflict that was happening within David, that David was had submitted himself to sin. And we showed you the effects of submitting to sin. We talked about that passage in Romans about that war within. You, you know that passage, that the good that I would, I don't do, but I find myself doing something that I don't want to do. That, 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 that the dynamics of sin, when it encounters spirit within. So when there is, and we traced it all the way down to a lust and a natural desire that is within you for something that is not yours. And we identified that there was something going on with David that, that stimulated that unnatural desire, and rather than submit himself to God, he chose to give in to sin. And what were the results? Well, the results were murder. The result of David's sin was he murdered Uriah, and not only and he took Uriah's wife, and that was just wrong, wrong, wrong. And we 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 asked ourselves the questions last week. Well, now why would David do that? We answered it was just straight out yielding to sin, because David didn't have to yield to sin because he had a house full of women. I mean. There's four wives that I could count off the top of my head. How many more women does David need? Can't say. But anyway, we talked about that. And as we start this lesson in chapter 12, what we want, you know, because when we left him in 11, it looked like he had got away with it scot-free. But there was one line in um, chapter 11 that leads into chapter 12 that we need to examine. That one line bridges the chapters together. Because remember, when we look at Scripture, we look at it in context. And when we look at the story, this particular part of the narrative, we look at it in its entirety. So all the pieces fit together. And so we're going to go back to a piece in chapter 11, and then move right into chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to look at uh, the B portion, the last line of the last verse of chapter 11. And if you have questions, you can call me tonight. You can call me at uh, 929-477-2304, 477-2304. I welcome your calls. I like comments. I like when we're participating together, and it helps me to find out where you are so I can focus in better. So, you know, don't be ashamed to ask a question. Okay, so now, got your Bibles? Let's go. I'm looking at that last line of Chapter 11. It says, but 
the thing David had done displeased the Lord. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. You see, David thinks he's gotten away with this thing. But not only did God see what David had done, this word displeased, that he says, that thing displeased God, when you translate it down, it basically says that, that the Lord sees the outer reflection of David's inner attitude. God saw the outer reflection of David's inner attitude, and he is displeased because what's inside of David, what's really inside of David, a portion of him, is coming out. You see, remember when David is first anointed king, that Samuel goes to David's father, and 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 they start marching all of his brothers in front of him, and the first brother that came along, he looked at that brother, and he said, that's got to be the one. And God speaks to Samuel and said, no. He said, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And what this line tells us is that God had looked at the inner man, God saw what was in David's heart, and it didn't please him at all because David has been described prior to this as a man after God's own heart. And now God says, look at what's developed in my man. Look at what's developed in the king. Sometimes when you're as successful as David was, sometimes when you achieving power and you get power, power will go to your head and you will step outside the boundaries of God like David did. And David, because he had the power to do it, decided that he was, that he was going to do it. And what makes it even worse is this, that David is not, uh, not only a man after God's own heart, but David is a man of the word. Remember we discussed that the ideal king, the king that God chose, was a king who had steeped himself in the word. According to the word, what the king was, uh, was obligated to do if he was going to lead God's people is he had to go and he had to write out the Torah on a scroll himself and keep it with him at all times because the Torah, the law, led him to lead justly. If he wanted to make a decision, all he had to do is do the same thing we, we do, and that's open up the Bible and find out what God wants us to do. And here the fool, David had been doing that. But that power, that sin, that lust that was within him took an occasion, and it overwhelmed him, and it led him to this place. So tonight we answer this question. What does God do when we mess up? That's the, that's the theme of the Bible study tonight. What does God do when we mess up? Well, let's find out. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. 
The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. You are the man. Now what just happened here? Mm, mm, mm. Hang on, y'all. My Facebook Live app just shut down on me. Oh, my. It says my phone is too hot. Mm, mm, mm. The devil is a lie. Ain't that nothing? I don't know how to do this. I'm trying to get back on to this teaching, and I can't do it. It's not coming back up. I'm going to do the best I can with it, folks. What is on this in the background that uh, I don't know how to close out stuff? Okay. I think I'm back on. I'm not sure. But in any event, it says, you are the man. That's what he says to David. You are the man. So, Facebook Live or not, I'm going to keep teaching them. He says, you are the man. Um, and it's kind of thrown me off just a little bit. Let me, just, let me get my... The first thing, we answer the question tonight, what does... Uh, this is just... My phone is... Acting crazy. I don't like this. Says it's too loud. Oh, man. Hang on, folks. Um, just hang on. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna fix this. Oh, this is how we're gonna do it. What we're going to do real quickly is we're going to go in here and we're going to shut down everything that I don't think we need. Um, we're going to go and see my phone was really too hot and I don't understand that. I'm going to turn off every app on here that we don't necessarily need real quickly.
and because it's so important that we um that we get this work done tonight and sometimes I don't even understand this I, do, I really don't understand how this thing works to be honest with you but we're going to there's something on here that um that is eating up a lot of something and I got to find out what it is so I can um turn all of this junk off how's that there's one right there Maybe that'll help us out. Let's see if we can do that now. And get back to where we need to be. Sometimes we just got to go and we got to figure some things out. And unfortunately, uh, they didn't give me any technical help. And it's not allowing me to get back on. It's not allowing me to get back on Facebook Live, folks. So with that said, uh, this is just a pain. Mm, mm, mm. How can this kind of stuff work? I'm going to uninstall this messenger. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to go. I'll get this lesson taught one way or the other. I'll get it taught one way or the other. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Something has taken over my um, <clears throat> tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna shut this phone down and we're gonna pick, we're gonna we'll go back right back up with it. How's that? Into it. Unbelievable. Mm, mm, mm. Well, <clears throat> I don't know what to do. Let me see if I can get my son on the phone real quick. And he can tell me what to do. <sighs> Everything is going so well. And then all of a sudden, well, you guys won't call me, so I'm going to start calling y'all. How's that? Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Winfrey Burns II. Nope, not Winfrey Burns II here, so I know what I'm going to do. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to power down, then we'll power back up, and we'll see if, in fact, um, this phone will reset itself, and then I can get back on Facebook Live. I still have, I still have about 35 minutes to teach this lesson, and I can get it done in 35 minutes. I know I might have to redo it again next week. I don't know. Uh, I am experiencing some technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. 
Just pray. Just pray. I'll, I'll get it back. I know I will. I know I will. So this, this stuff is kind of technical. And when you get technical things and give it to an untechnical person, um, and there's somebody that, mm, mm, mm. I'm so sorry I can't get this thing right. I'm so sorry I can't get this right. Anyway, I'm going hang hang with me just for a few more minutes, and then I'm going to I'm resetting the phone as we speak, and I am trying to see if this will do it for me. And if it does it, then if not, I'll just have to continue on Global Drive. I'm trying not to lose either audience, but it looks like we got a little problem here. So let's just see what happens. Hey, B, having some technical difficulties, man. Facebook Live is giving me the blues. My phone is, it won't, it, I was on for a while, and I was right in the middle of teaching a lesson, and the next thing you know, my phone shut down. So I just turned it off, turned it back on. Let me see what happens, and then I'm just going to keep going, okay? I'm going to keep going. Okay, bye-bye. That was my son who's up in uh, Benton Harbor, Michigan. I don't know what he could have done, but I'm trying. I'm gonna try everything. Let's see what happens. Oh. My live function is not working. So. Tell you what we do. Uh, you on Global Drive, we will just continue with you, and uh, we'll figure this phone out later because something happened with my Facebook. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, let's try that. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Let's see if this will work. Sorry about that, folks. I um, Something happened with the Go Live app. The phone said it was uh, overheating, and so it took me out. But I didn't go any further than we already were. So we were talking about, we were getting ready to answer the question, what does God do when we mess up? And the first thing that he does is the Lord confronts sin. That's the first thing we want to know. When we mess up, the Lord confronts our sin. Now, here you see Nathan. Here you see Nathan confronting David about what he's done. The, the A portion of the seventh verse says, what does it say? It says, you are the man. Nathan presented David with a situation and David, for the second time in the second in the, in his many chapters, judges himself, and he doesn't even know he's judging himself because the Bible says that when he when he went through the story about the little ewe lamb and the guy taking advantage of him, he says David got mad and he says you are the man. Now this is no different than the confrontation that uh, Samuel has with uh, a Saul over in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Turn over there real quick. When, when, when Samuel 
when when Saul sins against the Lord by disobeying God um, about killing off all the Amalekites. Remember that? Uh, go to First Samuel chapter 15 and look at verse 10. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I've made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. Then he has set up, there he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instruction. But Samuel says, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I heard? And we skip over, and it says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of, voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Look, let me share something with you. God, when we mess up, God does not just say, okay, they messed up. We don't get away with it, saints. We don't. We serve a God who will confront our sins. Look over in Exodus chapter 32. I mean, this is, this is not a, a one-time occurrence where God confronts sin. When we mess up, God confronts us in our mess. He don't leave us in our mess. God is a loving, loving Father, and because he loves us, he's not going to leave us out there messed up and thinking that, Oh, I done got away with this. I done got away with this. You know, you sit high and look low. You've heard all of those things on the Sunday morning service. Look at uh, 32, verse 7. Look, look, look. What did I say? Exodus 32. I'm over in Deuteronomy. Excuse me. Exodus 32. I knew that didn't make sense when I was looking at it. Exodus chapter 32. I, I'm calling the passage of Scripture out and then turning to something else. Either my glasses are on crooked or I'm crazy. Take your pick. I have fun. 32.7. Here it is. Then the Lord says to Moses. Now Moses is up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments at this time. He's talking with God. Look at what he says. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have been corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol, cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought us out of Egypt. God is telling Moses, just like he told Samuel, just like he sent Nathan, the sin must be confronted. When we mess up, God will confront our sins. Now, so you're probably saying, so do you mean, Pastor, that when I mess up, that, that, that God is going to uh, send a prophet or, or, or the preacher is going to confront my sin? God's going to send his word. God sends his spirit to confront your sin. Yes, he does. He sends his word and his spirit to confront your sin. If he has to send a person, he can. He can. God's not into outing people, though. So he speaks to you himself. When we entered into this new covenant relationship with God, he says, I'm going to write their laws on their heart. 
He puts it in your heart, and he confronts your, your heart with his word, with his word, and you are well aware of your sin. And you ever, you ever did something and you knew it was wrong and you just felt bad and you kept saying, ooh, ooh, and you tried to forget it, you tried to turn away from it, you know you said the wrong thing to that girl, you know, you know that you didn't treat your wife right, you know that you just was walking around with a stank attitude or put something in your pocket that you didn't have any business or accepted something or got into something that you know you had no business to, and do, do you recall how you felt? That was God in his word, and he'll bring his word right to the top of your head, exactly what it is, that is you being confronted. God is confronting your sin. And why is he confronting your sin? Because he's not going to allow that. That thing displeases him, and he's going to deal with it. Why is he going to deal with it? Because he loves you, and he knows that you love him. But he also knows, like we discussed last week, that if this thing keeps going on, you're going to die. It's as plain and simple as that. You're going to die. And so even as he confronts the thing that's trying to drag you off to death, that's what sin is trying to do. Sin wants to drag you off and give you over to death. Even as that thing is happening in your life, God's involved. So first of all, he confronts sin. Now, what does he do next? Go back to the seventh verse. We got, I'll start at seven. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah, and if it if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the, of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? <clears throat> you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despise me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. He tries you. He tries you. Literally, God drags us into the court, and he presents his case. In other words, he convinces you, and then he allows your sin to convict you. When we sin, we get tried plain and simple. God says, look, here's my case against you. Now, now, in other settings, what this is called is it's called a rib. It's called, in, in, in Hebrew, it's a rib, and that is to be tried. You, you're called into a court of law to be tried. And now you have to understand that David is under the law. And the law, he is being tried under the law. Get that good now. He's being tried under the law. And God first says, man, I've been good to you. Boy, I have been good to you. I have given you everything. I have kept my promise. 
I've entered into covenant relationship with you. I've done everything that I said I would. I have blessed you. And if the, what I gave you wasn't enough, I would have given you more. Why did you go up against my word? Why did you rebel? That's the question that's being asked. And he says, and now that you've been found guilty, now that you've been found guilty, here's what's going to happen. First of all, I need us to go back. I need us to go back because David prophetically pronounced his own sentence. Look, go back to um, go back to 11th chapter, verse 25. I called it out last week, and I know y'all said, what is he talking about? I called this out last week, and I showed you. That, that David had spoken better than he knew. David prophesied on himself. Look at what it says. It said, verse 25, David told the messenger, say this to Job, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. David speaks prophetically on himself. The sword had devoured Uriah. And now God is going to allow the sword to enter into the house of David. When we get involved in sin, what we do is we open up the door to the devil for him to enter into our house and do what he wants to do. We invite judgment to come upon us. And what David has done is he has opened up the door to his entire family, as you will see, and he, and he lets judgment come upon not just himself, but also future generations. Look, watch this. So the first point that we had was that when we mess up, it's confront, uh, God confronts our sin. And then he puts us on trial and he convinces and convicts us of our sin. Let's go further. Finally, we got to pay. There is payment to be made for our sin. And we see this here in this chapter. I'll go back to verse, uh, what is that? Looks like 10. Yeah, 10. He says, Now therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. This is the turning point. This is the turning point. This is the difference between Saul and David. When Saul was confronted of his sin, when Saul had been convicted of his sin, Saul said, okay, well, then come worship with me. Just make me look good. But listen to David's reply. David says, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You see, what God is looking for, what God is going to honor, is confession and repentance. He's going to honor confession and repentance. And to be honest with you, at this point, this is the beginning of relief 
for David. Because if you the if you look at chapter 11 and then read in chapter 12, a lot of people don't realize that from the time David committed this sin until the time he is confronted with his sin, a full year has passed. A full year passes between the time David uh, uh, sleeps with Uriah, I mean, excuse me, sleeps with Uriah's wife Bathsheba, has Uriah killed and then brings her into his household. has to be more than a year. Why? Because the baby is here. The baby is now here. And David is now being confronted with his sin. Now, why did you say, well, he, he, he got relief? He got relief because he was walking around with the, you know, when you do something wrong and you know you did it wrong, even though you think you got away with it and nobody else know about it, you know what you did. And you know when we look at uh, Psalm 51, the aftermath of his sin, when he begins to write, you'll see that David was walking around with that sin hanging over his head and that guilt on his back. And walking around here guilty, whoa, that ain't good at all. That's not good. That's not. When you're guilty about something and you're hiding, it's like you're walking around and something's sticking you all the time. It's, it's, you know it's there, and you're trying to, you're trying to just kind of, okay, if I just turn this way, if I just sit that way, that thing will stop sticking me. It won't, I won't feel so bad about it. And, 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 but no, you know it's there, and David knows it's there. Now, look at this. But David confesses. And he says, I've sinned. What does confession mean? Confession means to say the same as. To say the same as. And so now instead of denying his sin, David says the same as God. And when we learn, when God confronts us with our sin, when God convinces and convicts us of our sin, when we learn how to confess our sin, we are on the way to healing. Did, did, did that app just cool down on your baby? Did that, did, am I still on Facebook? I'm not on Facebook. Oh, okay. It just it co it closes the app on me again. It just closed it again. Something is wrong with this phone. Okay, well, is my phone too hot? And it's been doing this for the last. It was it did this this morning? There's something that's running in the background, and I don't know how to find it. Finish this lesson. Anyway, so I know that they're focused out on. Uh, um, I got to keep moving. Okay. So now, verse thirteen. Then David said to Nathan, "I have sinned against the Lord." Nathan replied, "The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die." And that's the third thing that that, that that God does. God, when you confess. He makes atonement for your sin. God, through Jesus Christ, has paid our sin penalty. Through Jesus Christ, our sin penalty has been paid. God deals with our sin for us because if he didn't deal with it, then we would have to die. David, under the law, according to the law, it is eye for eye. David, 
under the law if you um, if you murder someone if you murder someone if you willfully kill someone David willfully David purposed in his heart that Uriah had to die and Uriah died Uriah was murdered and so David should be killed but God says to to David, you're not going to die because I have made atonement for you. I have made atonement for you. I've paid the penalty for your sin. Christians, when we sin, when we sin, we have an advocate. When we sin, we have a savior. When we sin, we have Jesus who gave his life, who made atonement once and for all for our sins. When we mess up, we have, we have Jesus himself who steps in and tells the Father, I paid for that. They don't have to suffer death. So, there's one thing that we need to take a look at, though. So, happens. Do we just walk away? Do we just, okay, because Jesus pays for our sin, is there nothing else after that? Let's take a look. Let's take a look at verse 14. But because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt. The son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with him. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was living, we spoke to David, but he would not listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, yes? Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. Look, there's a principle at work here that sometimes we don't really that we hear preached often, the principle that we see is found in Galatians 6. Turn over there with me real quick. Galatians chapter 6. Because first of all, we see that God dealt with David's sin by atoning for it. And again, when we talk about atonement, you know, we talk about he covered it with blood. It, atonement means to cover Okay, to pay to it. 
and it was covered with blood with the blood uh that goes into the sacrificial system and I don't want to get too deep into that but there were that there, the sacrificial system was the way to deal with your sin back in the Old Testament times go to Galatians chapter 6 see what happens is this God will deal with your sin. God will deal with your sin. But you have to deal with the seeds. God will deal with your sin, but you have to deal with the seeds. You see, a lot of times in, in, as Christians, we think we got away with something. We know that we can confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he does do that. But the seed belongs to us. The seeds of our sin belong to us. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. What does it say? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will will reap eternal life. The King James says, this, says it like this. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I'm here to tell you tonight that even though God deals with our sin, he covers it, he casts it in the sea of forgetfulness, those seeds are ours. He's not, his word is true. And so when we go around sowing to the flesh, of the flesh we reap corruption. A lot of the stuff that is going on in our life right now is because of the seed that we've sown. Oh, yeah. Folk talk smart to you. Who you been talking smart to? You always uh, you cussing at folk and folk cussing back at you. You stole from somebody else and got over. It's coming right back to you. Whatever you did, that's what you're going to get. If you plant love, expect love. But if you sow the seeds of hatred and dissent. What do you think is always going to come up in the garden of your life? That's like going outside and planting a, planting a, a, a crop of tomatoes and then going back and telling somebody you're going to bring them strawberries. You're not getting strawberries. You put tomatoes down there. And so guess what? That's what you're going to get. You're going around. You think you're going to get some, some, uh, say, some nice, luscious grass and you and You've been letting weeds come up? You're getting weeds. Be for real. Christians who are walking around under the delusion that because they are saved, because God has forgiven them, that they can do anything, say anything to anybody, act any old kind of way, live any old kind of way, and enjoy the, the unfettered blessings of God, you are crazier than a crackhead. Not happening. What you're going to get is what 
you sowed. You've got to deal with the seed. And so for that reason alone, what does it say? Let me go farther. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Sow goodness. That's what God is telling us to do. Sow the seeds of goodness. They that sow to the flesh of the flesh reap corruption. If you do the things that God has said, if you act according to the word of God, if you walk in righteousness, then righteousness is what you will reap. I can't argue that strong enough for us. I mean, when we look at, when usually when we hear about the principle of sowing and reaping, the only thing that we think about is if I put $5 in, God's going to give me $50 back. And that's what we think of sowing and reaping. No, the principle of sowing and reaping is for every aspect of your life. Every aspect. Every time you do something, you should think, now if I do this well, I'm going to get back. If I do good, expect good to come back. When good doesn't come back immediately, don't worry about it, because the devil is going to try to test your goodness. He's going to try to test your behavior just to see if you are real, if you're going to walk according to the word of God. And what God allowed David to see and experience, David was tested, and David flunked. He flunked. That was, that was probably the second test that I can think of where David flunks. And what is the result? What's the seed that David has to deal with? Let me tell you what it is. Because it, 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 it tells us right away. It says, here's what's going to happen. He says, where is it at? Verse 10 of chapter 12 of 2 Samuel. Therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. That's number one. Okay, that seed is growing up in your house. That sword, you, 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 start, you, you brought the sword out on somebody else, you sold the sword in Uriah's life, then you got the sword coming. Secondly, what does it say? Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives. Look, you took Uriah's wife, now... I'm going to take your wives. You did it behind Uriah's back, but I'm going, to, I'm going to let this thing get showed in the open and give them to one who is close to you. You took it. I'm giving it. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Mm-hmm. So it's going to, you, you disrupted this man's family. I'm going to disrupt yours. You killed him with the sword. Uh, sword coming into your house. You stole his wife, they getting yours. God is not knocked. As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, we're coming to the end of our time, and I want to, let me just do a quick recap. So what does God do when we mess up? First of all, he confronts. Second, he convinces us of our sin and convicts us of our sin. Thirdly, he announces 
the punishment. And the punishment is usually is, is you got to reap what you sowed. But he also shows us that he forgives us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us death. He gives us his son, Jesus, to die for our sins, who has paid the price. But we should be encouraged to walk upright before God, upright at all times before God, because we don't want to scatter the seeds of the flesh. We don't want to reap that harvest. I don't want any part of that, and you shouldn't either. God is merciful to us. God was merciful to David. David was unmerciful when it came to Uriah, but God gives us who don't deserve mercy, mercy. He deals with us in grace. He doesn't allow us to walk around here thinking that we're something that we're not. He confronts our sin so he can show us, so he can show us our need for him. Not to show us how bad we are, but to show that we need him. That's what he's really trying to show us. And we thank God for his spirit that leads us into this truth. We thank God for his word that shows us where to go and when we go wrong. And we thank God for Jesus, who when we do mess up, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then, finally, just the last thing, even as we reap, God gives us the grace to go through. He doesn't make us go through it by ourselves. But instead, he walks with us, strengthening us, and saying, yeah, you did it. Yes, you did it. We know you did it. Now let's handle this. He helps us bear this burden. Well, that's it for this week. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll call it. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We thank you that, <coughs> that you allow us to walk around here getting away with stuff that's going to kill us. But instead, Father, that you that you confront us with our sins, that you convince and convict us of our sin, that you allow us to confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive our sins, that you cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And then, Father, you stand and you help us to bear the burden of the crop that we sowed by showing us grace. We bless you and we thank you. Now, God, help us to do even better by learning your word, by obeying your spirit, by walking in faith with you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we bless you and we praise you. We'll see you next week for the word on Wednesday. Be blessed. Have a great day. Bye-bye.